our vision is to reach people and build lives. That's our vision. <clears throat> How that happens is through our mission, which is when somebody gets reached, we want to take them on a four-step journey. And that's to basically know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and then to turn around and make a difference. So watch how this thing works. We're going to reach the lost, bring them in, help them to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and then begin to make a difference. You see it? It's a system. It's a vision and a mission of our Savior's church. That's why we're here. That's why we exist. That's what we're going for. That's what the next 10 years are going to hold for us. Reaching people and building lives. And so I'm excited about that. Sometimes when you're doing something for a while, you can kind of lose your passion. Sometimes we can lose our energy. Sometimes we can kind of get bored or maybe even a little tired in it at times. And I just want to remind you today of why we're here. Because sometimes when people start bickering and they start fussing, it's because we get tired or we just lose the vision of why we're here. This is why we're here, to reach the lost and build their lives. Amen? And that's, that's the only reason we're here. And so today I want to take this series and I want to introduce people to Jesus because Jesus is incredible, right? There's no greater name than the name of Jesus. There's no higher name than the name of Jesus. There's no one by which you can be saved other than Jesus. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords, and he deserves all the praise and all the glory, right? And that's a very religious way to say it, but I just like to say it like this. Jesus is all that in a bag of two bags of chips. I mean, he's like, he's all that and more, right? So I want to introduce people to Jesus, but watch this. Now I'm going to twist the coin on you a little bit. I want to introduce people to you because you're awesome. You're all that in a bag of one chips because you can't be Jesus, <laughs> But you're incredible because you have Jesus living on the inside of you. The, the title of the series is I Love My Church. Well, who's the church? Is it the building? No, it's not the building. It's you. You're the church. If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you've become the church. And I want to introduce people to Jesus, but I also want to introduce them to you. And I believe God wants to do the same thing. I'm going to show you to you in a verse from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, starting in verse 7, Paul is writing a letter to the church in Thessalonica. And he only, theologians believe he was only there like three times. And then all of a sudden this church birthed out of his meetings. And then he couldn't get back there. So he began to write letters to them. And listen to what he says in his letter, starting in verse 7. As a result, you, the church, have become an example to all the believers in Greece throughout both Macedonia and Achaia. And now the word of the Lord is ringing out from you to people everywhere, even beyond Macedonia and Achaia. For wherever we go, we find people telling us about your faith. Come on, you seeing this? About your faith in God. We don't need to tell them about it. For they keep talking about the wonderful welcome you gave us and how you turned away from idols to serve the living and true God. And they speak of how you are looking forward to the coming of God's son from heaven, Jesus, whom God raised from the dead. Everywhere I go, I love to hear people talking about you. 
For too long, churches have been built on preachers and not on people. Paul is saying to the Thessalonica people that I am just blown away because everywhere I go, people are talking about you. So let me let you in on a secret. People are talking about you. You get to determine what they say. (laughs) Right? And they need to talk about you. Why? Because there needs to be something different about you. I I don't know, but if you gave your life to Jesus, all of a sudden, from what I understand, you went from spiritual death into spiritual life. And that should make maybe raise a question or two. When you think. But he said, people are talking about you. And I, I thank God that our Savior's church, Eunice, is not known as, oh, that's where Pastor Jamie's at. I love I get to still introduce my, peop- my name, myself to people. I say, hey, I'm Pastor Jamie. I'm at our Savior's church. Oh, you're the pastor. Man, I've been hearing about your people. I'm like, I, I can lie to you. Sometimes I'm just kind of like, hmm. I don't get no credit. No respect. No. I'd rather it that way. I'm just picking. I'm messing. <laughs> But people should be talking about you. The title of my message today is we're an everyone church. A church for everyone. I want to show you a verse from John chapter 3 verse 16. It's a very famous verse, probably one of the most famous, but Tim Tebow didn't make it famous. When he placed it on his cheeks. He didn't make it famous. Now he made it re-famous. Because the first time he put it on his cheeks in college, he reached how many, Brandon? 90,000? 90, 90 million people, they said, looked up the scripture, John 3.16. Then when he made it to the pros and he did it again, 90 million more people looked it up for the first time, John 3.16. But he didn't make it famous. Jesus said, for God, so loved the, for God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone, say that with me, say everyone, say it again, say it one more time, say it like you feel with the Holy Ghost, that's a little bit better, who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So everyone who believes in Jesus will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son so that whoever believes in his son, Jesus, everyone who believes in Jesus, come on somebody, doesn't have to die and fry. They get to live and live. Come on somebody, it's exciting. It's it's everyone. Can I just tell you, you were in everyone? Hey, they let me in. I mean, come on. (laughs) If I can get in, y'all can get in. Watch the next verse. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world. Watch this, through him. So let me, let me just give you a little side message, just a little kind of like a little piggyback message here. Religion and legalism loves to judge people. It loves to stand on the outside of what God is doing. And it loves to point fingers. You're not doing this. You're not doing that. This is wrong. That's not wrong. Why we do this? That's not it. That's not God. This ain't that. That ain't this. That's religion. Anytime you find yourself questioning what people are doing in a negative, judgmental kind of way, you need to realize I'm getting caught up in religion and legalism. 
But oh my, relationship does this. It comes up here, it gets on the high dive, and it jumps in into the middle of what God's doing. And instead of telling everybody what they're doing wrong, they start to pick up a little bit of spiritual weight and they start helping people and they start encouraging people and praying for them and lifting their heads up and not judging them. Just a little side message, just a little, just a little piggyback, just a little extra. Who did Jesus fight with the most? Religious people. Those that would say you had to do this, 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 and this to be right with God. Those are the folks Jesus said, you brood of vipers. You're a bunch of snakes. You're couillons. I believe Jesus spoke French. I believe it's Cajun French. You'll see. God is an everyone God. And we need to be an everyone church. So what happens in an everyone church? Great question. Man, I love the way you ask questions. What happens in an everyone church? Number one, everyone matters to God. Everyone matters to God. Not just the people you like. Not just the people you're comfortable with. Not just the people that you can tolerate. (laughs) He's in everyone, God, and everyone matters to God. You know why? Because you matter to God because God created you and anything that God creates matters to him. So that broke down, busted brother you got matters to God. That strung out, addicted person you know matters to God. That tatted up, pierced, skinhead looking dude you know, I don't know where that came from, matters to God, right? Matters to God. God's not interested in your outward appearance. That's going to take care of itself. God's looking at your heart. You know what the number one question is when people invite others to church? What do I wear and will I be judged? Right? What do I wear? Do I tuck or do I untuck? Do I suit and tie or can I come in my short pants? Now, for you older folks, short pants means underwear. Sorry. Us younger folks think short pants is shorts. Just to clarify. (laughs) Do I wear polished shoes or flip-flops? That's the number one question people want to know. What do I wear? I heard a story the other day about a guy who went to a church and he walks into this church and he'd never been to church before in his life and he didn't understand the, uh, the codes and the ethics of a church. And he walks in and he's got shorts on, a, a tank top and some flip flops. And he walks in because there's something missing in his heart and he wants to just find out what's going on. And he sits down in the church and the preacher's preaching And after service, the preacher comes up to him and says, man, I'm so glad you visited with us today. But listen to me, Uh, we we got a little dress code around here. And I I would really encourage you to go home and ask God about our dress code. He's like, well, okay." he didn't understand church. Okay. so the next week he comes back to church wearing the same thing. And the preacher's preaching and he's furious because this guy's sitting there with shorts and tank top and flip flops. So afterwards, the preacher says, dude, I thought I told you to go home and ask God about our dress code. He said, man, I did. I asked God about the dress code. He said, he ain't ever been here, so he don't know. 
But man, we want to dress people up and pretty them up in order for them to be accepted by God, right? Can I just tell you, that's the temptation of all men. It even happened in the Old Testament with the prophet Samuel. When Samuel was sent to pick out the next king, he went to the house and he told the father, he said, bring all your sons in front of me. And so the father did, and he brought his proudest ones out first. And this is my oldest, man. Look at him. He, he looks like a king. And Samuel's like, oh, yeah, he looks like a king. He's like, Lord, this is him. The Lord said, nope. Okay, maybe it's the second oldest. Nope. Third? Nope. Finally, God says, 1 Samuel chapter 16, the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance. Watch this. But the Lord looks at the heart. God looks past your clothing, past your skin and bones, and he looks inside your heart. Because your heart is what motivates the rest of your life. Your heart is what determines your health. Your heart is where God's at. And that's what he's looking at. And he's saying to us today, if we'll just focus on a heart instead of the clothing, then all that other stuff's going to change once you get to the heart. That's why Jesus says, come like you are. Because we mess it up when we tell people, oh, you got to put your hair in a bun. You can't wear no makeup. Dress got to be down to your knees. You got to look this way. You got to wear a suit. You got to wear a tie. You got to say these things. Jesus goes, no, man, you're messing it all up. Now I got to break all that down. He's like, shut up and just tell them about me. And then I'm going to get inside their heart and we're going to take care of all that other stuff. Right? Calling somebody a cigarette sucking sinner ain't ever got them saved. Right? Jesus didn't come to judge the world, but to save it. Can I tell you, we're a church. I don't care how many tattoos you got. I don't care how many piercings you have. The only thing I care about is that you have clothes on. (laughs) We got one dress code, clothing. (laughs) Please do us all a favor (laughs) and wear yourself some clothes. I don't care if you're black or white or brown or red. (laughs) Man, we can get so ridiculous sometimes, can't we? Just get judgmental at times. But here's the truth. Everyone matters to God. And I want to say to some of you this morning that God cares more about your potential than he does your past. (laughs) God has no issue getting over your past. But you do. Some of you are letting your past determine your future. You can't move on. You can't step to the next place that God wants you to go because of your past. And he's saying, would you please forget about your past and let me start something new in you? Please. Everyone matters to God. Everyone should matter to us. You know, some people, before they ever understand that they matter to God, have to first realize that they matter to us as believers. 
We need, to, we need to let people know that you matter. Your life matters to me. Your marriage matters to me. Your children matter to me. Your spiritual condition matters to me. And when they, we start showing people that they matter to us, then they're going to be able to understand that they matter to God. Amen? But they first have to understand that they matter to us. You can't stand outside of somebody's life and say, you need to do this and you need to do that and you need to do this. You just being the boss. They don't matter to you. People matter to you when you grab them up alongside of them. You come up on side of them, you grab them under the arm and say, come on, I'm going to walk this thing out with you. I'm going to walk through this thing with you. I'm going to go through this crisis with you. I'm going to walk with you to break this addiction. I'm going to come with you. I'm going to walk with you. We're going to do this together. Right? It's not saying, well, you need to go down there and take a left, then take a right, watch out for the stop sign, and then go over there. I mean, that's kind of like saying, oh, well, good luck. I hope you make it. I thank God Jesus doesn't do that to us. But he walks with us every step of the way. You remember the song? I'm, I'm going to try not to sing it, but see, he walks with me. He talks with me. He goes with me everywhere I go. I told you I wasn't going to sing it. I couldn't remember the words. But everyone matters to God and everyone should matter to us. I want to read you a story of a girl who was in our first service and she put this on Facebook and I think it's just incredible. Her name's Penny and we just love Penny. Penny's Penny's incredible. We Penny matters to us and Penny Penny said this. She said I was raised Catholic but never understood the Bible stories and some of the ways things went. I was always lost and confused. Miss Paula was Daniel's teacher. Her and I got to talking about church, not the building, but you. I was in a bad place because both my parents were suffering with lung cancer. And I went to church one day on my own with my son who is autistic. And I explained to the ladies in children's church about him and even went in and helped a few times. I stopped going for a little while because my parents got really sick and I had to take care of them. After I lost them 11 months apart, I started going back because I felt I was missing something. So altogether, I've been there for three years. And now I help in children's church. And Daniel, my son, loves going. When I need someone to talk to, I can always talk to Pastor Jamie and Cheryl. Penny walks in unsaved. Penny finds out about Jesus somewhere other than this building. Penny decides that whatever she heard about you, she wanted to come and be a part. So she comes in with her little autistic boy, whom can I just say we weren't ready for? Can I just be honest? We weren't ready for him. But he came in and thank God for the spirit-filled people in this church that, that don't mind adapting, that don't mind if anyone comes. And they took little Daniel in with his autism and they learned how to deal with him and they learned how to communicate with him and they're teaching little Daniel about Jesus. Thank God for that. We're in everyone church. 
Her life is not the same because some folks got up into the middle of it. They didn't stand on the outside pointing fingers at her and telling her what she needs to do next. So number one, everyone matters to God. Number two, everyone matters to God. Luke 15 tells three stories. It tells a story of a son, of a coin, and of a sheep, and each of one being lost. Verse 3 says this, So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness to go search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors shouting, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. It doesn't mean they're not happy about those of you that are already saved. He's just saying that, you know what, when somebody that was lost gets found, all of heaven shouts a little bit louder. They dance a little bit harder. They scream and dance and run and shout. There's rejoicing in heaven. Heaven's more excited than we are. (laughs) When somebody who is lost gets found, God comes off the throne. Jesus stands up. Now, all three of those stories are talking about people. And people matter to God. Nobody who has three kids loses one and says, you know what? I got two more. Ain't no problem. I mean, who does that? Ha, that one was a knucklehead anyway. We'll be okay. Nobody does that, right? What happens? I spared you. I lost my kid. You'll drop everything. Right? To go what? Find your kid. Somebody lost their kid last weekend. Or they thought they did. The little girl was just in the, by the tree playing. Mom and daddy couldn't find her. It was 911, baby. There was urgency. It didn't matter if you had bread pudding and you was in the middle of it. You put your bread pudding down because we're going to find the one. Right? And they, and they did. And they found her playing in the dirt, having herself a good time. By which then we usually beat the kids for getting lost. <laughs> and they're just like, I'm playing. You're the one that got lost. <laughs> But there's an urgency in the scriptures about the one. Luke 19.10 says the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Can you hear the urgency in that verse? He came to seek. What does it mean to seek? It means to look for something. It means you go and you start, you start turning things upside down and you're, and you're looking and you're going, man, where's it at? I can't find it. What? I'm seeking you hearing me? There's an urgency. I'm going to do something. There's an intentionality. It's not, well, you know, I just hope a lost person runs into me today. <laughs> oh, Pastor, you know, I'd get some folks saved, but I don't ever see them. <laughs> he went to seek and to save that was, which was lost. 
Jesus' intentional. Listen to me, we're only going to be on the planet for, for 85 years at max unless you're holy and blessed. Why not be intentional and go seek and save the lost? As a church, we don't only exist for those of you that are already a part of this family. We exist for those who aren't here yet. Doesn't mean we don't love you now that you've become a part. We do love you, but we're excited about the ones that aren't found yet. And our vision here at our Savior's Church is to reach people and build lives. Watch this now. Reach people, build lives. Reaching and building. Reaching and building. You see in this? Reaching and building. Not reach, then build, then go reach again. It's an ongoing process of reaching and building and reaching and building and reaching and building and reaching and building. How do we do that? Do you know we have a system? We're a very systematic church. We have a system for the person that you find that needs to be built. They give their life to Jesus, whether inside the church or outside the church. Their next step is to go through next step. Some of you have been hearing me bark about next step for the last year. And you're still reluctant to go through. (laughs) And I'm just saying, it's your next step. But it's not just a program. Next step is designed to help you understand who we are, what our vision and our mission is, to give you a biblical foundation that you can build your life on, then to help you discover your purpose, and then to get you plugged into this church so that you can begin to make a difference. I thank God we got enough folks that went through next step to be in there serving your kids this morning. Holla. Making a difference. Somebody's kids getting saved today. Thank God somebody's making a difference. But it doesn't just stop with next step. Can I tell you, we got something beyond next step? It's called life groups. And we want you to get into a smaller group of people. It's a circle of people. Why do you need to be with people? Well, Because in Acts chapter 3, they needed to be with other people. And Jesus didn't do ministry by himself. He called 12. He had his own circle. God does life in circles. And we've got life groups and we want you to get connected. Why? Because you need other people in your life. You need people that can encourage you. People that can discourage you. (laughs) Maybe it'd be nice to say when somebody says, hey, you're about to back up in the ditch. Stop. How many of you appreciate that? When somebody says, whoa! And you go, and they just saved you from a tow truck bill. You appreciate that, right? It's the same way in your spiritual walk. You realize sometimes you need some folks in your life to say, don't do that. That's going to (laughs) hurt. Sometimes you need some folks in your life that can pray for you and encourage you and pick you up. And then before too long, you know, if you don't watch out, you're going to be the one that's encouraging people and lifting them up. It's a community of believers where we iron sharpens iron. One man sharpens another and discipleship begins to happen and life begins to grow. That's why we have life groups. So our system is if somebody gets saved, they go through next step, then they get plugged into a life group. It's not complicated. It comes out of the book of Ephesians to help people know God, 
find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference? Is that okay? Is there anything wrong with that? That's what we're called to do. That's who we are. That's our process. I thank God that somebody has a plan for me. Because when I got saved, it wasn't just me and Jesus. It was me, Jesus, and others. Can I get a better amen? 2 Peter 3, 8, 9 says this, God isn't late with his promises as some measure lateness. He is restraining himself on account of you holding back the end because he doesn't want anyone lost. He's giving everyone space and time to change. The only reason Jesus hasn't returned is because people matter to him. Everyone matters to him. So what's my part? What's your part? The first thing is to invite people. Just invite people. John chapter 1, verse 35 to 42 says this. The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples as Jesus walked by. John looked at him and declared, look, there's the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked at them, looked around and saw them following And he said, what do you want? They replied, Rabbi, where are you staying? Where's your house? Where are you going? Look at Jesus' response. Come and see. It's an invitation to come and be a part of what I'm doing. Come and see, he said. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we found the Messiah. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus and so on and so on and so on. It's an invitation to be a part of life change. It's an invitation to say, hey, come on. Come carry some of this weight. Hey, come over here and and see for yourself what God is doing. Don't, Don't stand on the outside and try to get a glimpse. Come on the inside and get your hands a little bit dirty. Come get up into somebody's life and help them walk through something that they can't walk through on their own. Would you stop pointing fingers and start lifting the hand? Would you stop doing that and start doing this? It's an invitation to come in. He's saying, come in. Come and see. I believe if you're bored with Christianity, it's because you're standing on the outside looking in and you can't see well enough. Because let me tell you something from my own experience. When you get into the middle of somebody's life and you start to feel what they're feeling, and you start to get on your knees and pray for them, and you start to encourage them, watch this, and you start speaking truth to the lies that they're believing, and you start seeing chains fall off of them, and you see freedom come up in their life, you see their marriage begin to restore. Let me tell you something. I don't have to tell you to get in then because you're all in. Why? Because you've experienced it. you got your hands dirty. And it's not about you anymore. Some of your healings in helping other people heal. 
So what's stopping us from getting in the middle? I've been doing this for a little while. I see a lot of people just standing on the outside. Yeah, it's nice. <coughs> Praise God. Yeah, he's doing a mighty work. Hallelujah. And those that are in the inside are just going for it. Knowing that life is beyond my own needs. It's beyond my own desires. It's not about me anymore. I, I took care of me when I gave my life to Jesus. It's not about me. It's about me doing what he's doing with him while he's doing it and seeing change happen. That's what it's about. But you'll never know until you jump in. Until you say, you know what, I've had enough of myself, enough of my problems, enough of my issues, enough of my junk. It's time to get away from me. I'm preaching to somebody this morning. Just saying. And I ain't standing on the outside pointing at you. You want to find out? Come on. (laughs) Come on, spend the week with me. Come get you some of this. Come sit in some marriage counseling. Come sit with somebody who's addicted. Come sit with somebody who's letting their past determine their future. Come sit down with me and let's, let's tackle the enemy. Let's, talk, let's address the lies that they're believing. Come on, you want some? Come get some. You feeling froggy jump? That's an old school saying. Let me share another story with you. This is Andy and Shana. Sorry, Andy, I didn't warn you. (laughs) They said this. When you hear people talk in church about being treated as a family, we felt it from day one. From the parking lot attendants to registering our kids for their spots all the way to the pastor, we felt welcomed and at home, even though no one had ever met us. We're glad to, to everyone We're glad to have found OSC Eunice and glad to have become a part of the church family. It feels so much like family that my youngest, Dawson, now has a church pawpaw. (laughs) It's true. Mr. Elson loves kids so much that Dawson, he's become Dawson's church pawpaw. That he can't wait to see on Sundays. They felt love of the family before anybody even knew them, we're in everyone church. We exist for everyone. Not just for the prim and proper. Not just for the polished. So we invite people. The second thing we do is we serve people. We invite people and we serve people. Imagine what would happen if you took the next couple of weeks and started inviting people to church. They say six out of the ten people you invite will come. I'll, I'll start a third service if you'll invite more people. Some of you are like, that's why I ain't inviting nobody, Pastor. I don't want to serve three times on Sunday. <laughs> Thank you for not saying amen. <laughs> but what will happen? What will happen if you start inviting ten of the people you know and six of them show up and discover Jesus and God starts changing their life? Just a thought. 
Number two, serve people. God has called us not to just invite, but to also get involved. Your greatest ability is your availability. Mark chapter two says this, Jesus, when Jesus returned to Capernaum, several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Now the Bible doesn't mention their names. Doesn't say it was Leroy, Bruce, Tommy, and Jim. They don't get any recognition now. But let me tell you something. When we get to heaven, we're going to know who those guys are. Because they're going to be standing by the guy with the mat. And I find it awfully funny that Jesus saw their faith. And because of their faith, he changed the guy's life. You see, religion tells people where to go and what to do. Relationship carries them and busts through the roof and puts them where Jesus is. Amen? It'll break through the roof, baby. Come on. I mean, that, that dude, them dudes had to be caging. I'm just telling you. Meshach, pull the, pull the tin back. We're going to get them to Jesus. Get that crowbar over there, boy. Bunch of cool yarns won't let us in the door. Can I just tell you, the more you get involved, the more you have expectancies. Your expectations begin to build. You start going, man, is God going to show up again today? And what am I going to experience today? What's going to happen tomorrow? 1 Corinthians 9, 19 to 23, I've come, I've become just about every sort of servant There is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did all this because of the message, talking about the gospel. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. Come on, I love that part. I wanted to be in on it. Can I just ask you, do you want to be in on it? Do you want to get up in the middle of it? Do you want to experience Jesus like you've never experienced him before? Come on, all you got to do is just jump in. All you got to do is surrender yourself. Say, Lord, I surrender. I surrender my job. I surrender my, my I surrender Walmart. I'm going there not just for my groceries, Lord. I want to see a miracle happen. And it ain't that they roll back prices. Come on, somebody. I want to see something happen. It's hard to see other people's needs when you're consumed with yours. Everything we do revolves around serving people and reaching people. I'll tell you what, I'm so glad to be a part of this church because last August when it flooded, man, people weren't afraid to get in and get get dirty. You know what I'm saying? Weren't scared to get into somebody else's house and pull up their sheetrock and rip out their carpets and haul off this and haul off that. We're a serving church. Not afraid to go to the fire department and pull out an old crusty 30-year-old mattress and put it on a trailer and bring them a brand new one. 
ministry's dirty. Can I just tell you, it's dirty. When you get involved in people's lives, it gets dirty. But don't worry about it. God's with you. You're not going to catch nothing. I'm going to get a disease if I help people. I'm going to catch a demon if I help people. Making sense? It's a good thing somebody said, yeah, I was going to go another 30 minutes. I ain't even lying. <laughs> so what's your part? Invite people. Serve people. Here's the last one. Share your story with people. Man, if I could tell you anything today and get you to take something home with you, I would say this. Don't ever be ashamed of your past. Don't ever throw your past in the trash. Let me read you the story. Verse 10 from Mark 2, it says this. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, We've never seen anything like this before. Jesus didn't say, stand up, throw your mat in the trash and go home. He said, stand up, pick up your mat and go about your business and go home. You know why? Because his mat was his proof that God had worked in his life. He used to sit on it, knots tucked up underneath his arm. It used to be his thing he survived on. And now it's the thing that he thrives on. He's going, hey, (laughs) I used to have this mat. Are these things... They used to not work, but man, look, they work now. My buddies brought me to this place where Jesus was, and Jesus touched my life, and now I can walk when I couldn't walk. And here's my mat just to prove it to you. This is who I used to be. You want to see my scars? You want to see where I used to put the needles in? You want to see my bruises? You want to see my junk in my trunk? Come look at it because this is who I used to be, but this ain't who I am anymore. It's not who I am anymore because Jesus touched my life and I got some some folks that love me enough to bring me where he's at. Thank God somebody considered me to be an everyone and I could come and find Jesus and find that, that healing and that miracle that I needed. Amen? Don't ever be ashamed of your story. It's your proof of God working in your life.